Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the marvellous Denise Venturi. We are talking about working in the field as well as working on your thesis. Uh, Denise shares her story of uh, her own research and her work with the United Nations and we explore how one thing led to another. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Denise. Hi, Emma. This, I've been really looking forward to speaking to you because it is a very juicy topic today about um, kind of getting out there, getting your hands dirty and um, and getting into practice. Uh, but before we get into that topic, um, I'm just going to ask you, as I do everybody here, to tell us a little bit about you and your journey into the PhD and and kind of through it because you're, you're still in it. You're still in that process. Yes. Yes, I am. So tell us a little bit about you. Okay. So um, I mean, let's say I'm in the final stage of my PhD, although Yay! I'm a little bit like hesitant in saying that. Let's right. say that I'm like writing up and getting to the end. Nice. Uh, but the journey to come here has been quite, I would say, complex. I mean, for the yeah, reasons that we will discuss uh, together. Um, I'm researching uh, on refugee law. Uh, I'm a lawyer by education. Um, but my research is also, I would say, kind of empirical um, mm-hmm. because I'm more on the side of law and anthropology. And this is also one of the reasons why um, yeah, I went back and forth uh, into academia. Uh, I'm working specifically on LGBTIQ plus refugees. And in a nutshell, uh, I'm analyzing uh, what it means to, let's say, qualify um, LGBTIQ plus refugees as vulnerable, whether it is like an effective legal tool or it's just like a buzzword that nowadays is more and more used in uh, asylum law and policy. So this is a little bit, yes, this. Um, maybe something that I think can be also interesting. Um, I came to this topic I would say um, starting again from my practice, um, I started working as a lawyer in Italy and I was working on uh, refugee uh, and asylum cases and migration more generally. So I developed like this interest that then I, um, I further developed in my studies. Uh, when I was working as a lawyer, I took a sabbatical to go back and study a master in human rights. Um, I did my thesis. Uh, on uh, migration um, and the European asylum system. Um, and then, let's say, from, from one thing, let's say, led to the other, uh, I decided to enroll in a PhD uh, with this project that, of course, <laughs> looked very much different back then. Um, and that has been, like, shaped together with my supervisor and building on my interest uh, uh, on the intersection between refugee, uh, refugee law uh, and gender. So this is would say yeah the picture and where I started from amazing what I love here's here's the title of the book one thing led to another (laughs) my PhD journey (laughs) oh amazing amazing um and I think as I as I say often but I really mean it is very humbling um doing this podcast Mm -hmm. because I meet, meet such amazing people doing amazing work and your work I mean it's 
de- helping in, in um, attending to the vulnerable and and thinking about human rights and what I mean yeah. uh, what's more important than that so I just again thank you for your time and thank you for being here no thanks for the invite actually um so you're studying this material you're engaged in that but as you say that an important part of your story is that you are a practitioner yeah. and that you are a lawyer that's where you started and so as part of your PhD you have been out there in the field and that's what we what's what we wanted to talk about today so tell us a little bit more about that and and how that evolved and what that has involved indeed yeah sure so um i think that um what i think will be also useful i mean for us and then for for the listener is uh, as you said also where i started so mm-hmm. um i was i mean i was a practitioner this is i mean where i started i was working as a lawyer and, and especially, um, I was working as a lawyer in Italy, so it means like working self-employed. So it means that you actually have to like look after your clients and so on. So it was a very, it, I was very pretty much involved like in, in the practice. Mm. Um, when, um, and why I started, I, I wanted to do a PhD is because I felt that I needed, let's say, to surround my practice with a more like, it's a broader, broader horizon and understanding of what I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. So, um, like working as a lawyer, I think it, it is great. I mean, to me, it was great, but I felt that I needed like some, some more thorough understanding on, let's say, the, the structure that I was let's say, navigating together with my clients and in my practice. And part of this, um, I was able to gain it through the master in human rights that I attended. What's like, it, it was a huge experience experience for me because uh, it was my first experience of studying abroad and um, I did this master like I would say quite late in my in my let's say my career path because I was already in my 30s uh, so it, it, I think I've done with my PhD what I've done to a certain extent also with my master back then mm. so I went back into studying mm. and after the master uh, and after like having gained also this knowledge I wanted again to, to know more and I decided to enroll in this um, in this PhD um, I must also say that at the beginning, my PhD was pretty much very like low, low was very much like legal stuff. And this is it. Um, but I had already like an amazing supervisor that was already supporting me, uh, which was the same supervisor I had for my master's thesis. And she's a legal anthropologist. We and, love a shout out on this show for yeah. good supervisors. So hooray for that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And really, I... I would say that I owe her um, the, the, let's say the, the fact that now I'm able to understand what really uh, practitioners can get from uh, also like coming in in connection the one with the other. Um, so nice. I wanted to uh, let's say bring this empirical perspective in my thesis. Um, I was not finding that the answers I was looking for uh, when reading like the legal document or the legislation or the case law. So I started like putting forward this idea of doing uh, field work, doing interviews and so on. Um, when I started my PhD, I started in uh, another university from the one that I am now. So you see like lots of changes throughout this, throughout this path. Mm. And I must say that uh, it was not like an easy, yeah, an easy avenue that I was uh, starting to go into uh, when I propose when I was proposing like to do interviews for my PhD uh, because the, yeah the, the answers that I got uh, 
and uh, also the question that I got was, what do you think you're going to get in doing interviews in a legal in a legal research? This is a legal research, so you have to start with a legal analysis. Yes, uh, yes. So I think that that was something that to some extent was also a little bit upsetting to me at the mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. And because it was also like putting into question something that I was so instead excited about. Um, But I'm glad that I persisted again, thanks to also to the support that I found in my my supervisor uh, back then. Um, And I, um, after my first year of PhD, which was a lot of going back to studying, literature review and exams and so on, um, I went to do field work and I started doing field work in the UK. Again, I find another like very supporting professor who was um yeah supporting me during during my field work in the in the UK. Yay! Yeah, exactly. So um I think it was like luck, but as I will explain, maybe in a bit, not only luck. Yes, um, I, it's also, very rarely just luck, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I yeah, I, I don't want also to give all the merit to luck. But anyway, I think also for me, what was a little bit the game changing back then is to switch to a context in which, for example, empirical legal research was already quite, um, I would say, advanced in a certain sense which was not the case uh, uh, from the context I come from. So like law and anthropology is not so much, I would say, yeah, um, it's not so much used in, in, the, in the legal domain in, let's say, Southern Europe. So we, I mean, now it's more and more like spread, but it was not the case back then. Right, and when right. I mean back then, I mean like almost 10 years ago. Right, so, right. Yeah. Yes, it's um, been quite a journey for you. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is still, it is still, absolutely. So, um, yes, after having done like this, this field work, I was, I was very thrilled because I, I traveled throughout the UK uh, to do my interviews, participate in observations and so on. And I was seeing that I was building like interesting material. I did the same in Italy. I, I, I did interviews and participate in observations in Italy. And at that point, I felt that still something was like was done missing in my in my journey. Um, part of my research was also about how decision makers approach um, asylum claims and especially asylum claims when there is a gender component and so on, and also how uh, like institutions also approach this kind of claim. So I think it came quite natural to me to apply for an internship with the UN. Nice. Um, which I got. I thought it was a good <laughs> en- entry point. So yeah, yes. I started I- interning with the uh, United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, um, working on judicial engagement, strategy litigation, um, and yeah, so that was a little bit the start. Mm. So I was doing this internship, which was really a great learning opportunity. My first experience with the with the UN, uh, but also like challenging because I was still doing my PhD on the side. Right, right. So, yeah, after that came some experiences with uh, NGOs and then like a full-time job with the, with the UN. Um, so still the PhD was there, but I had also my full-time job. Um, so at this point, I was a little bit, um, again, it, it was a very good moment for me because I thought that I had it all. Let me put it like that. Mm. Um, and I was really invested in my in my work um, nice. Nice. at the moment. Um, but 
I started like, yeah, um, I started having issues in being also productive with my PhD. Yes, yes. So can you talk a little bit about that moment then in terms of going from the internship into working full time? Um, Because this might be something that someone else is thinking about is is what I'm thinking about. Because people often the PhD can offer up brilliant opportunities. That's one thing that it can do really well. And I think sometimes it's about, shall I take this opportunity? Shall I not? Shall I, you know, should I put the PhD on pause for a while? Shall I not? So can you talk talk us through a little bit your your process and decision-making um, as sure. well as then what happened next? Because as you say, then there was, then there were some questions after. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So I think for the internship, it was quite straightforward to me yes. that I had to take this opportunity because really I was seeing the internship, of course, as a way of like, let me put it like that, like, yeah, uh, entering in, in in the UN to some extent, but it, I was still seeing the internship as a way uh, really to bring some practical knowledge and experience yes. into my PhD. So yes. it was functional to my PhD. Yes, yes. Then um, I got an opportunity to work for an NGO and after that for UNHCR. And so let's say that, yeah, the, the work was, I think what was gaining more and more importance. Right, uh, right. And I was like, yeah, because I can go back to the PhD. I will have the opportunity to resume my PhD and to work on that on the weekend. So I think at the time, and I'm going to be very honest, I underestimated the difficulty of juggling both. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I think and I think that is really difficult, isn't it? And and um because especially if the new opportunities have come your way, it's really exciting. There's an energy to exactly. it. You feel like, okay, I've, I've got a sense of what the PhD is doing at the moment. I can, I can, I can manage it. And of course, the thing is, you are a smart and capable person. And on a really on a good day, you can manage it all. But it's kind of yeah. when when you're not having such a good day, then things become a bit more tricky. <laughs> Absolutely. And I had many of those of those days actually. Yes. And I would say that for over the over the over the past years, maybe the days in which I was not able to manage both were like more than the days in which I was actually instead able. Right. Um so of course, I mean I let's see, I don't regret any of my choices. No, I would no. go back and do the same. Yes. But because also I think that I gain a lot and yeah, uh I will also explain a bit what I gain in my perspective. But still it was difficult. But I had yes. this as you said, this confidence of saying, this excitement of saying, Okay, I can do both. Because also I was really seeing that what I was doing in my work was useful for my PhD. Absolutely. And I think there isn't, there's no right or wrong in this, in this situation. And I think, as you say, actually, you can see the real value in that, not only for the PhD, but also for you and your life journey, as you you said, you acknowledge that. And so I think kind of taking time out and some, some people choose to take time out completely Mm -hmm. and put the PhD to one side for a little while, come back to it after because they're doing something else. Um, But I think, um, thank you for being so honest with us about kind of how that how that felt in the in the moment because I know that will resonate with a lot of people um so we'll jump forward a little bit then in terms of in terms of when when you started to think actually now the juggle is getting a bit tricky then Mm -hmm. then how did it how has it gone from from there yeah, I think it has also be it has also been a natural process. Uh, I would say because um, what what happened at a certain point after I think about uh, two years that I was doing, let's say both, but I was 
let's say, working and maybe doing sometimes something related to the PhD, I decided to to to, uh, to take a pause from the PhD, so to put the PhD like yes. formally on yes. hold. Yes. Uh, then I mean, you don't realize also that when you're doing working and PhD at the time, same time, life is also happening, yes. and also this is what happened to me. Like I had some family issues. Um, I, yeah, uh, COVID yeah. happened, which like I don't know changed all my plans. Uh, yes. For example, I yes. I turned down a very good job opportunity uh, abroad because I wanted to finish my PhD, and then COVID came, and I had like family issues, so I really couldn't leave, and I I couldn't even continue the PhD. So my PhD was like lingering there. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that I had let's say I had gained so much let's say knowledge that I could, let's say, uh, put into my PhD. And when I mean knowledge also, I'm going to specify that it was like not knowledge, like gained from work that I would put in my PhD, but like um, having the, the idea of I'm seeing that what I'm studying from a theoretical point of view with the PhD can actually be helpful yes. in the practice and the yes. other way around. Yes, yes, yes. And I think it can be so motivational to go, exactly. this this is worth doing. This is worth finishing this project Absolutely. because actually I can make it. I love that. I love that so much. Absolutely. And I had, and I had actually, again, um, a very like honest conversation with my supervisor back then because I was really working uh, with, uh, yeah, in my office, I was really working like on my topic. So for example, I was, uh, yeah, dealing with cases uh, related to asylum and sex orientation. So because they, they, I mean, my office saw an added value in what I was, I was studying. So it was like of mutual benefit, let's mm. say. Mm. Um, and I had the supervisor telling me, you gotta finish the PhD because you see that this is really like something useful yes. Yes. for, for you, but also for, for the work that, that we are doing for, yes. for refugees. So, um, I, I I started feeling very frustrated also because I saw friends uh, getting their PhD. Right. I started, yeah, seeing like people who were also like in the same situation I was juggling uh, both uh, and they were actually able to progress with the PhD, something that I was not able to do also because as I said, life happened and Mm. it was impossible for me to do both. So I came to a point in which I said, okay, um, this is my project. Um, I think it is worth and like going back into practice also taught me that this is worth. Um, I, I really like to feel a lot of ownership towards my project, if I may say so. Um, and I just, and at a certain point I, I said, okay, I need to be honest with myself. Mm-hmm. If I continue doing both, I will never be able to finish this PhD. Right. So it, it, I mean, for me, it was not possible. Maybe for, somebody else it would have been it has been as i know but for me like working full time and then having your weekends and evenings writing it, it it was just not working um i'm perfectionist and i acknowledge that <laughs> so, i love that uh, yeah I, I i need time to i i wanted to devote time to this so um, i decided yet to to go now on a sabbatical from my work and go back into academia. Um, and I think that this is, uh, it was a good decision for me and it is being a good decision now that I'm, that I'm doing that. So. Excellent. Yeah. I, I love what you said there about being honest with yourself. I think so much of that, it, it's just key in the PhD journey and really checking in with yourself and what you feel like. Absolutely. 
it's really where really where your where your capacity is really where your desire is really checking in with that um and i wish that we could kind of go and this is the answer everybody do that and it's the answer because we can't obviously because everybody's on their own journey and as you say for some people that that's that's how it goes for them but for for you and i think that the this sense of of a process as well that you kind of you've you stepped um, in with the internship, you then went to full time. You then have come out on sabbatical, and I think what's really useful about your story is it models different ways that people could work as well. Mm-hmm. That there are yes. different opportunities there and different ways of doing it. Absolutely, I have like colleagues, amazing colleagues who, who were working like in the same office as I was, and they were able to do both. Uh, I think it also depends on um, which kind of. PhD project yes. you are you're on. Yes. Like yes. for my project, I really needed to um, go back to the field work and maybe do some additional interviews that could validate the results that that I that I, I, I yeah, again, but because I started almost ten years ago now, so you need also like recent data and so on. And I just couldn't do it. Yes. So I, I think I spent a lot of time in trying to compare myself to others uh, and to try also to find how can I say, like, suggestions on what was working for others and trying to, like, yeah, to make those solutions also suitable for me. But it just, I mean, it just didn't work. Um, Sometimes part of me feels still a little bit of frustration for that because I'm saying, okay, I should have been able to do both. But eventually this, this is not. So I'm glad that I, yeah, that I was honest with myself and it took... It will cost, I think, yeah, again, um, discussions with good supervisors and also ability to communicate with them. This is why I said before, it was not only luck. And I think it was also a way of communicating yes. effectively like with, with them. Yes. Um, yes. Therapy. And I uh, understanding that I want to focus on my on my project and I want to uh, also to use this knowledge because something that I learned throughout this like journey um, is also that when academia, I mean, academia and the practice come together, it can really benefit from each other. And I think this really is my key takeaway from, yes. from that. Yes. Yes. And what a gorgeous takeaway, this sense of really, as you say, getting in there, getting in the field. And, and as you say, all all the benefits of that the benefits of the people that you've been working with and the way that that has that will have yeah. enriched their work the way in which it's as you say it's motivational for you in terms of like yeah this really this is really important but as also as um enriching your writing and your thinking um mm-hmm. brilliant and how fantastic to have seized that opportunity and got out there in the field and done that work um yeah. oh yes and comparison comparison is the thief of joy as they say um, and it and it is difficult, and I, I think, as you say, that that sense of really checking in because you can only run your own race. And I know it's a kind of that's such a cliche, but especially on the PhD, it is such a unique journey. Um, and we've uh, you know, however many episodes I've done now, everybody's come on, and their journey has all been different, and that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty yep. you get to write your own story. Um, Absolutely. Oh, Denise, anything just before, because I, what I'm aware of is we're condensing, as we always do, this massive story and this massive journey <laughs> into a, a very short time. And I am aware of time and I want to kind of get us to the to the top tips. But before I do that, I just want to say, is there anything else that you wanted to say about 
that experience or your learning from that? I think um, something else that, I mean, within my decision now to go back into academia and like finish this project was also maybe um, that this decision came to some extent in the right time for me. Mm. It's also a moment in which like I'm reassessing my uh, career path, my opportunities, uh, my career choices so far. Um, And also I think that that as a role to, to some extent. Um, and also the idea that um, I learned something from going into practice. So I really, I accomplished what I wanted to get when I entered into practice. Right. And now I think it's yeah the time to wrap this chapter of, of my PhD because I I see now the value of the PhD. When I went, went into practice, I think there's also, there was also an element of, let me put it like that, frustration a bit for the academic life. Okay, I'm sure lots of people can relate to that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, like also all these theoretical discussions and like not really seeing the impact of that. Whereas instead, like going back, going into practice has taught me that, I mean, our, like our to work our thinking as academics it matters Um, and I'm sure that maybe I would have come to this realization also staying in academia but for me for the way that yeah that I work let's say um, it was this way to to realize that so yeah I love that I love that yes absolutely absolutely Denise thank you so much um so I'm going to ask you after, as I say, out of all that rich journey and rich tapestry, I'm going to ask you now the awful reductive question of the top tips. And you've already given us um, a top tip that you, you you said was close to your heart. So you are very welcome to repeat that or to to offer something else. Well, um, I think maybe something that um, I would like maybe to share is um, something that my favourite songwriter uh, would Day, so it's never too late to be what you might have been and I used to say and this is something that I said to my to my husband a couple of evenings ago it's never too late to finish your PhD in this case my PhD so sometimes like I I joke a lot on the fact that this is going to be like my sense year but, but actually I was on uh, on a post from my PhD for so many years that it feels like it is the, the fifth year so I think it, it's okay um, and I really want to like hold on to to this for sure um, and something else maybe find your uh, find your supporters I think like supporters in my case were an essential part of this journey and are still yes. um, because I still have like a supervisor that is still like supporting me in this idea of finishing the PhD and she has seen the benefit of me going into practice so like it. supporters are a lot Yes, and as you say, the way you communicate with them as well, the way the way yeah. that you have nurtured your supporters, and I love this. I love this. It's never too late to finish your PhD. It 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 happens in its time, and um, I love that. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, Denise, thank you so much. Um, I wish you all the very best um, in this final phase of your work, um, and. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Thank you for your commitment to, to the community that you're serving. And thank you all for listening. Thanks a lot, Emma. It was a pleasure. 